Welcome to Hub and Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub and Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of NGI's Hub and Flow podcast. I'm Jamison Coughlin, editor of LNG Insight, which provides subscribers with North American LNG news and pricing, plus key European and Asian fundamentals. I've got Jacob Dick, NGI's associate LNG editor, here with me for today's episode, and we want to talk um, about what's been uh, one of the dominant stories in the global gas market over the last year or so, and that's all this growth we've seen in North American LNG export projects. Uh, Last year was a banner year for uh, long-term contracting for for LNG sellers across the globe, uh, but particularly for those in the United States where uh, a record number of contracts were signed. We saw that momentum fall this year with uh, three projects along the Gulf Coast getting the green light um, and and moving ahead. So now you've got eight projects uh, under construction across the continent, uh, putting North America on track to have over 25 billion cubic feet a day of liquefaction capacity uh, online by the end of this decade. And you can find these sorts of details in NGI's North American LNG project tracker uh, that we recently launched to keep track of all this stuff. And, And we'll talk a bit more about that in a bit and how you can take advantage of that tool But according to NGI's project tracker, there's 11.5 billion cubic feet a day of new liquefaction capacity under construction right now in North America. And the bulk of those additions are in the United States. Uh, Work is underway at Corpus Christi Stage 3, Golden Pass, Port Arthur Phase 1, and Plaquemines, uh, which have, have of course, all been uh, sanctioned. Um, But there are others out there, too. Um, And this is where I'm going to bring Jacob in um, to tell us about some of the projects uh, that are in the works in Mexico and uh, Canada. Go ahead, Jacob. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's right. Pretty soon um, the the U.S. is going to have some company when it comes to North American LNG exports. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it, it will be. Uh, those cargos won't also use U.S. gas. So in case in point, when you look at uh, Semper Infrastructure's Energy at Coastal Azul, which is um, one of the, the projects currently under construction, um, that that terminal in Baja, California, uh, is designed to give Semper an Asian-facing gateway for LNG uh, exports that will be fed by U.S. gas. Uh, and so phase one which is expected to be around 3.3 million tons per annum or uh, 0.4 BCF a day. Uh, That that, uh, is currently underway and um, it could be joined by another project, uh, the first uh, floating LNG export vessel from New Fortress's Altamira project, which is uh, headed offshore the Gulf of Mexico uh, currently. And uh, it, it's been delayed a little bit by uh, tropical storms in the Gulf Coast uh, that, that came in the last uh, two weeks or so. 
But um, altogether, that project is supposed to add around four MTPA to North American capacity. The details of that project have gotten a little more complicated this summer. Um, initially, I think there was supposed to be three jackup rigs uh, involved, and now maybe two of those are moving on shore as a part of a repurposing of an import terminal um, in, around that site at Altamira. Um, but it, it, we know of at least one is on the way and another jackup rig is being uh, completed. So in, in Canada, everything is strictly uh, West Coast. Uh, Shell's LNG uh, Canada is uh, in British Columbia, could start shipping LNG from phase one by 2025. Um, and uh, almost uh, all of that offtake is being controlled uh, by Shell at this point. And uh, wood fiber LNG, just a little further down the BC coast, is also underway. Uh, that project's being developed by Pacific Oil and Gas, who uh, they, they haven't used the term final investment decision. Um, so, you know, whether, whether that project is um, advanced in the way that we think of, you know, the Gulf Coast projects, uh, it's been harder to, to compare. But the modules are being built uh, according to Pacific Oil and Gas, it could be shipped uh, there within the next year or so. So um, maybe just to kind of add on a little bit there um, to, to what you just went through, Jacob, if I look at, at NGI's project tracker, I can see there are at least 14 other projects proposed um, in Canada and Mexico. Um, you know, if you also count the various phases um, of each. And, and, you know, that's really what this tracker is about. It gives you a quick reference of existing, proposed, and under construction projects across the continent. And it allows you to, you know, see their design capacities, uh, how many trains are planned, uh, the, regular, the regulatory status of each, um, you know, the pipeline systems um, that are feeding these projects. Um, and, and much more. Uh, subscribers and others looking for more information can find the tracker at naturalgasintel.com. But uh, Jacob, you know, are there are there any other projects in Mexico, in Canada, that that you know maybe stand a good chance of of going ahead? Um, I don't I don't think that the growth is over uh, in either of those countries yet. I think that that is uh, that, that's probably um, a, a right. A statement to make uh, if you look at you know the 14 projects that we're tracking um eight of those proposed in mexico right now would add you know 72.3 mtpa um if they were all built um, a lot of those i think are going to hinge on the infrastructure agreements and and the, the feed gas contracts that could be put in place um, between north american infrastructure companies uh that are that are developing in Mexico, and then the ENPs, uh, particularly in West Texas. Um, but I th I think that we've seen a lot of progress over the past year that maybe a year ago we would have said seemed less likely, and and all of a sudden um, some of these proposed projects that were less than maybes are now possibly going to be built in the next year. Um, so you know. Three of those are targeted for Mexico's Pacific coast, and the rest would be on the Gulf side. Um, looking at the the six remaining proposed projects in Canada, all of which are in British Columbia, that, that would add about uh, 36 MTPA or 4.8 BCF a day. Um, you, you, I guess you can't help but compare Mexico's build-out with Canada. 
um, because they have some of the same advantages and problems. Um, relatively cheap gas uh, to be had from you know the the Montney in Canada, and also that uh, Mexico's connection to West, West Texas gas. Uh, but the the issues are going to come with the pipeline build out. Um, you have TC Energy's Coastal Gas Link underway in Canada right now, which is supposed to feed LNG Canada and wood fiber and possibly more projects. Uh, if, if that's successful and the economics of it work out, you could maybe see more companies trying to uh, piggyback and try to get a connection to that that pipeline because um, everyone keeps saying, you know, the Montany is elastic. You see it grow and shrink. And, and if you turn the faucet on, maybe uh, the growth could keep going. But uh, it's it's I don't know if you've ever tried, but it's really expensive to build a pipeline in the Canadian Rockies. Apparently, yeah. uh, not ex- yeah. not exactly cheap or easy. Yeah, and <laughs> um, in Mexico, uh, you know, a lot of these projects are planned in somewhat remote areas, which is why um, the government and the uh, the inf- the state-owned infrastructure agencies there uh, have tried to to tie export projects to an overall build out of infrastructure in these areas as part of like uh, overall uh, social programs that the administration there has, has been trying to uh, has been trying to conduct and that has made for a lot more corporate and government partnerships um, but it also kind of ties you, you never really necessarily want your business's plan to be tied to a particular administration. Okay, that's that's kind of a good segue, you know, um, talking about, you know, some of the challenges that, that face these projects, no matter where you're looking. Um, you know, I want to switch gears a bit. Um, you know, one of the challenges I think in the U.S. is that the landscape is starting to get really crowded. Um, you know, you've got something like over 20 projects um, that, 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 that have been proposed, um, you know, in addition to those that are existing and in addition to those that are under construction. So... Um, you know, I think aside from that, there are a few that stand out um, and have also made uh, pretty good progress lately, but they haven't hit FID yet. Um, you know, and, and I think that the standouts for me, um, just to kind of walk through here, are, uh, you know, the Delphin, Commonwealth, uh, CP2, and Lake Charles projects, which could add another 8 billion cubic feet a day if you know, all the capacity they're proposing is built. So I guess I'm just going to quickly go through some notes on these here uh, that I've got in front of me. Um, Starting with Delphin, um, they've made some serious uh, headway uh, on the floating project that they've got um, uh, going. And they pretty much have, uh, you know, what they need uh, to get that first uh, vessel off the ground. They've got enough contracts, that is. Um, They've asked for an extension with FERC. Uh, to bring the facility online in 2027 instead of this year. Um, they've received four previous extensions. So they're they're working on uh, financing um, and a little more contracting, um, but they could run into some, uh, some regulatory hurdles here, um, especially if they can't get their DOE export approval extended. So um, something to keep an eye on uh, with regard to that project. Um, and then Commonwealth, they've got about 3 million tons left to get contracted. Um, and they just lined up some funding with Kimridge. Um, that's, that's a smaller project, too, um, that's, that's getting some momentum. Um, and then Venture Global, of course, already has a facility operating um, at, at Calcasieu Pass, um, you know, it's being commissioned, um, or, or so they say. Uh, but they've got another um, that's under construction. 
uh, at Plaquemines, and they made good headway um, on CP2 um, as well. And then if you look at Lake Charles, that's an energy transfer project. They've had some issues uh, with the DOE that we've we've uh, discussed on the podcast here before. Um, and, you know, the DOE is more closely uh, scrutinizing export authorizations, uh, as I mentioned. They, they forced Lake Charles to um, reapply for an export authorization, you know, saying that they won't uh, extend the dates to start exports unless a project can show um, good cause for an extension. But, you know, Lake Charles has about 8 million tons of uh, the 12 that it needs to go ahead. Um, they also just signed some tentative agreements to get to that 12 million tons. Um, so things are looking much better, uh, much better for that project um, right now. And then, um, of course, you've got the incumbent Chenier. Um, they've got a couple more expansion projects at Sabine Pass um, it, it, in Corpus Christi that they're advancing. Um, and they're already lining up customers uh, for those. So those are um, those are definitely progressing. So, you know, needless to say, there's uh, there's a lot going on out there right now. Um, and, and remember that, you know, NGI's Project Tracker can help you uh, keep up to date on all that. So I guess, um, you know, finally, given all the projects that that are under construction, um, you know, across the continent, um, there, there are, again, some challenges facing those um, and the others that are looking to get sanctioned. I mean, Jacob, can you can you quickly give us an idea of, of what some of the big challenges are right now for, for all these projects out there? I mean, does anything really stand out, um, you know, in your mind as some of these things advance? Um, I, th- I think the, the thing that's the biggest question for me, and it also seems to be the reiterated challenge of um, at least the FIDs that we've seen this year is that uh, cost and financing will will always be uh, an issue. I I recently talked to um, a a project management expert um, who who said that, you know, he thinks that the main problem is what what has always been the main problem for, for LNG uh, companies and and that's whether you can get buyers if uh, if the demand is there then you can build the project which I think overall is true as as we've seen uh, this year um, you know the the demand is still out there and people are still signing contracts but uh, with the FID of Rio Grande you had the largest ever um, financing of an of an LNG or of any energy project in North America according to that that company's uh, statistics and labor is not cheap and and neither uh, <laughs> is is the material that you need to construct these giant projects and that means that you need more cooperation from banks you need, uh, need equity partners um, to get these uh, these traditional style of projects that we think of on the Gulf Coast done and then you see other companies like Delphin or Commonwealth trying to go a different way, trying to be leaner and meaner and have more of a, a long-term uh, growth plan t- to get up to some of those volumes without needing as much uh, financing and, and equity. The The stopgap there is, will the demand continue in order for you to have that long rollout? And uh, I think those, those are two uh, spectrums of, of possibly the same problem, which is demand. Yeah, I, I think you, you you hit it on the head with, with all that there. Um, you know, and just to circle back to, to next decade's FID on Rio Rio Grande, um, you know, interest rates are up. 
cost of capital is up. Um, they FID that project, um, you know, at a price tag of $18.4 billion. Um, so definitely nothing to sneeze at there. I would add too that as I kind of look out, you know, and I see all the capacity that's underway right now and some of these other projects that are getting close to maybe being sanctioned, uh, you know, and, and when you consider, you touched on this earlier, when you consider some of the U.S. gas that's going to move into Mexico um, for the projects down there, feed gas maybe becomes an issue um, and, and pipelines and, and, and infrastructure. So, um, you know, that's going to need to keep pace um, with all this growth to make sure that there's enough gas um to, to go around. But I think, you know, ultimately the bottom line here too is, is that, you know, if you don't get your foot in the door soon um, as an LNG project, it might close, um, especially as the market loosens um, in the coming years, because, you know, another thing that we haven't discussed, and it's, it's probably for another episode, Qatar is building um, a, a lot of capacity too. So there's going to be a lot of supplies um, coming to the market here globally uh, through the um, end of the decade. So, uh, yeah, with that, um, I think that that does it, uh, for today. Um, thanks, uh, for, for, for coming on with me here, Jacob, and, and thanks to all of you for listening to, uh, NGI's Hub and Flow podcast. U.S. LNG exports have changed the global energy paradigm. NGI's LNG Insight provides a North American perspective to the global LNG market by tracking not only key LNG related data within the U.S., but also important European and Asian fundamentals that may influence demand for North American natural gas exports. Visit natgasintel.com backslash LNG insight to understand what our LNG service includes and how it can help you make more informed business decisions today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.